And the church said, Amen. Amen. What a beautiful song. Start our new year off together here at Western Hills. We have some visitors today. Thank you. I won't have you stand up, but uh, yeah, go, no, I'm just kidding. But God is good. And we're so glad that you're with us today and chose Western Hills to worship with today. We pray that God has blessed you already in our service, and we pray for much more to come. This is a great time to be at Western Hills. Amen? Hope you uh, have all thawed out a little bit. Uh, we were in St. Louis for a couple of weeks with the grandkids and kids, and uh, we really enjoyed our time. And it was just great. We had a blast uh, for over the holidays. Uh, it was cold last Saturday and uh, uh, Sunday, I guess it was, five and six below zero. But we made it through, and compared to some of the people further north, that was kind of a warm front. Uh, but it's... Uh, been good to get back home. It's always good to get back to my church family. I want to thank Robbie for uh, taking a place last week. I know he did a fine job. Listen to his message. Actually, I came in real early this morning and uh, played that through, and I think he did a, a fabulous job and appreciate his work there. So we're thankful for that. Um, I love this. You know, when you get a little older, I'm 60 now, and as you get a little older, you get forgetful. My wife reminds me of that all the time. And um, so you get a little forgiveful. I like the one about the husband and the wife. They were getting older, and they were forgetting a lot of things. And so the next time the doctor, they were, you know, going to find out what was going on. So the doctor asked a lot of questions and things and said, no, you're all doing good. But he said, you know, when you get about your age, what I do suggest for most people is that if you would just make these little notes of reminders, that'll just help you throughout your day. Just leave them somewhere, and it'll remind you to do something. They thought that was a great idea. So they got home that afternoon, and sure enough, they, um, they were sitting in the living room, and the wife simply said to the husband, Honey, would you go to the kitchen and get me a bowl of ice cream? And he said, Well, I'd love to do that. No problem whatsoever. And she said, Well, why don't we practice what the doctor said? Why don't you write that down so you don't forget? Forget? It's just a bowl of ice cream. Yeah, but honey, I wanted strawberries on it. You better write it down. He said, I got it. Ice cream, strawberries, no problem. Yes, but honey, I'll write it down because I want some whipped cream on there. He said, no, I got it. Ice cream, whipped cream, and, and uh, you know, strawberries. No problem. I got it. Yes, but you better write it down because I really want a cherry on top. He said, no problem. I can handle it. No problem. He went into the kitchen. He closed the door. All of, all of a sudden, the, the wife heard these pots and pans going off, you know, and just making all kinds of noise. She thought, what in the world is this guy doing in there? About 15 minutes later, he comes out carrying a plate, hands it to his wife. It's a plate of eggs and bacon. She looked up at him with disgust in her eye and simply said, I knew you'd forget the toast. <laughs> Whatever. I thought that was good. I want to give you something. I want to give all of us something for this year, something to start off with for several weeks, actually, so we don't forget that will help build our relationship with God because that's what we're to do in our lives. And building our relationship with God helps build our relationship with each other. Give me an Amen. So through that process of doing that, we all want to be better at it. Please give me an amen. Oh, boy, that's pretty weak. Give me another amen. amen. That's good. That way, when somebody listens to this tape or CD or online, they can really know that you're participating. And there's actually somebody here, and I'm not just talking to the wall. But nonetheless, I thought it would be nice, since it's the beginning of the new year, 2018, I thought of 18 things that I would like to share with you to help accomplish just that. 18 things. You're thinking right now, I know what you're thinking. I know what Jim Gibson's thinking. 18 points. We're never going to let that guy go two weeks again. I promise it won't be that long. It's about two and a half hours. You can make it. No problem. Now, I'm only going to give you two today. 
uh, I want to share with you too. And it may be a series of messages. The great thing about being a minister, and when you say a series of messages, it can be two weeks or it can be 10 weeks. So you're just going to have to keep coming back until you figure which one it is. But nonetheless, I want to, I want you to know that scripture tells us, and, and you know this, scripture tells us that uh, if you give, you will receive. Now we use that to get people to, or encourage people to give, you know, their funds and things, but it happens in all aspects of our life. If you give something, something's going to give, be given back. If it's given with the right attitude, the right mindset, the right heart, God tells us that in Luke chapter six. And in that process, what I want you to do today and through this series, the messages, if you're here, I would ask that you please give attention to what is being said. Because in that process, I believe if you will use those things that we talk about, that they will help and you will see then what God gives in return. God gives so much more than you can ever give Him. So if we pay attention just a little bit, you can imagine what we can do with just a little bit, a little bit of faith, a whole lot of God in our lives, major things can take place. Give me an amen. So I want to share with you today some things that will help you. I'm going to give you two for today. To start off, you have to make a decision. You have to decide. That is the first and foremost thing. If you want a better relationship with God this year, you want this year to be your best year ever, you want a better relationship with your family and friends, you have got to decide that that's what you're going to do in your life. It is a decision on your part. Now, I can hope that you will, but you're the one that has to decide that. Scripture says there in Proverbs chapter 2, and boy, that light is bright today, but I'll handle it. For the Lord gives wisdom, from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. If you notice that, there's three things in this passage here that God says that He gives. He gives knowledge, understanding, and He gives wisdom. Who would like more knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in their life? Raise your hand. If you don't want that, raise your hand. Let's do it that way. We all want that, don't we? So where does it come from? It comes from God. If it comes from God and God says it's yours, then the decision that we make or have to make is to receive what God offers. You have got to decide in your life that this is what I want because God says I can have it. I'm going for it. Give me an amen. I think that's important in our lives. I know last week Robbie mentioned in his message about this New Year resolutions that we make, and we tried to do that, and we make them and we break them. Anybody break one already this week? And so we do that in our lives. We make decisions in our business. We make decisions for our family. We make financially. We make them even spiritually in our lives. We all want to do better, but we have to have a desire deeper than just the want. We have got to decide that that's what I'm going to do this year. You have have to make the decision that this is what I'm going to do. My life is going to be better because I have decided to follow Jesus closely. Have you decided to do that this year? It's a really good question to start off the year with, I think. In fact, they say that we make over 2,500 decisions per day. Now, some big and some small, I understand that. You get up in the morning, whether you do I even get out of bed or not? Some people just decide to stay in, call in sick. So you got to decide what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat and what route you're going to go to work and what are you going to do first when you get to work and what's on your agenda. And you got to decide all these factors throughout your life. So decisions are there for us, but the ones that you choose to do makes a difference in your life. Anybody make a bad decision and follow through with it besides me? 
Someone has said it this way, we make decisions and then our decisions make us. And boy, do they ever. The quality of your life is determined by the decisions that you make in your life. We try to teach that to our children as they're growing up, don't we? The decisions you make, who you pick as your friends, and all those things in your life are very important now because they're going to shape you. And we know that they shape and they mold our children. And we can see it happening right before our eyes. And a lot of times they can't see it because they're just too close. And you went through it. I went through it probably. I know I went through it as a teenager. I went through it. And then you you think you know better than the person that's older than you, especially your parents. Anybody besides me? You think you know better. And so you make these decisions that cost you greatly. In Proverbs chapter 3, the word says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There's a reason why that tells you that. Because God wants to make your path straight. The reason why some of you are on a path like this in your life is because you're leaning on your own understanding. It is you've decided to follow you instead of follow Christ. It happens everywhere in our lives. It happens within leadership. And that's why leadership has to give a a direction for its people to follow. Whether you're a CEO or if you're an elder at a congregation, it doesn't matter. You have to give a direction. If you don't give direction for someone to follow or a, a place to go, a mission, you will, to accomplish, if you don't give one, then you can wander. You can say, I'm going somewhere, and you can say, where are you going? And they'll say, I don't know, but I'm going. And that's what happens oftentimes in our lives. We don't seek God in this, and that's what I would simply say. Oftentimes in our lives, we don't seek the guidance of God, the counsel of God in our lives. I often say it like this, all major decisions cost you something in life. Every single one of them. All major decisions cost you something in life. Time, energy, and money. Good or bad, they cost you something. All good decisions lead to a blessing or a curse. Major decisions. And all major decisions will lead you to joy or sorrow. If you don't believe that's true, just ask my wife. The reason why I say that is when I asked Donna to marry me 42 years ago, she decided that she was going to marry me. It's brought her nothing but blessing and joy her whole life. And major decisions are there. She knows that I love her too, okay. But in that process, I want you to see that the decisions that we make carry heavy consequences. Some are good and some are not so good. Let me give an example of that. How many of you in this audience today, including me, can look back at a decision that you made in your life without seeking God first, and it has cost you greatly. Anybody out there? Yeah, me too. The rest of you made that many good decisions in your life? Really? Boy, oh boy. I'm going to talk to you next time I have to make a decision, because you must have them all figured out. But here's the second part of that question, or another question, which would be, how many of you in this room, including myself, have made a decision, sought God's counsel in that decision, and it has paid off greatly in your life with great blessings. How many? Okay, we got to stop right here. We got a lot of work to do. When you make decisions as Christians, if we're talking to Christian people, listen to me closely. When we're talking to Christian people, we should make all of our decisions based on the counsel of God first. First. First, seek God first. Lean not on your own understanding. 
and He will make your paths straight. It is important in our lives. Now, truth is, some people put off making decisions, and they do this because they're afraid if they make a decision, they become fearful. If they make a decision, it'll be the wrong decision. So what they choose to do is not make a decision. But in choosing not to make a decision, actually you've made a decision, haven't you? Now, some people call it either uh, uh, patience or procrastination. Now, they both start with the letter P, but however, they're different in their meaning, of course. Patience is, is this. Patience is being able to accept the now moment that you're in. Good, bad, ugly, and all the phrase of life. Patience is the thing being able to deal with the moment that you're in without blowing a fuse until the next moment comes along. How are you doing with that? You see, and, and, and procrastination is just the opposite. It is the one thing that you know that you need to do. You know that it needs to be done in your life, but you refuse, for whatever reason it is, to not do it. And you made a decision not to do it. Anybody there? How are you with your patience this year? How do you want to be with your patience this year? How are you with your procrastination? Have you put off the things that you know that you need to do? For instance, there may be somebody here this year, right, this service, and you may have said, hey, you know, I'm here at church and I've come a few times and I've listened to people and I've listened to preachers and I really have, and I, I really want to accept Christ in my life. I really want to give my life to Him. I really want to go through that process and I want to be buried in baptism. I know I've seen people do that and I know it's important and I want to do that someday, but you just simply decide, not yet, not yet. Well, our encouragement to you will always be the same thing. And I want to give you permission at any time during a service, if God lays it on your heart that that's what you want to do is receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to be buried with Him in baptism, I give you permission to interrupt any service that I'm preaching at. Anyone you want. And come forward. We'll just stop the music, if you will. We'll take care of business. Because that's the most important thing that you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There are many things in life that you may hesitate in doing and choosing to do, even feel like they're not very important. For instance, the color of your car, what color you choose. Or maybe if you're going to eat at McDonald's or Burger King today, whichever. But being spiritually hesitant or neutral in your spiritual life can be deadly, my friend. How do I know that? I know that because Scripture teaches that. Let me set the story for you. In the Acts chapter 25, there's a story of Paul. Paul is, before he becomes Paul, he's Saul. He's this, he's this persecutor of Christians. He's doing his job extremely well. He has this encounter with God. God encounters him in a, a unique way. You need to read the whole story. And in that process, he comes now not persecuting Christians. Now what he's doing, he's leading people to Christ. What a transformation. What a transformation in his life. Well, the government there doesn't like it. And so what they do basically is they, 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 they accuse him wrongly and they put him on trial. And so he's standing in this trial. And, and while this is all taking place, it's a lengthy thing. It happens in Acts 20, 25. And after all the things that are listed among him are that he's done wrong, apparently, to them, Paul is given the opportunity to speak before the council, before all the people in the court. So he gives this great speech about his innocence and he tells exactly why this isn't true and why that isn't true and this is who I am and you know who I am. 
And so before he finishes his, te- uh, before he finishes his speech, you know what he does? He gives his testimony. And a testimony is huge. We're going to talk that in a, about that in a few weeks. He gives his testimony. He's got their attention, and now's the time to let them know who it is that's changed his life and how he can change their life. And so he begins to testify of how Christ has touched him greatly, how God has moved him greatly to do these things and mightily. So in the midst of this, Festus, this isn't the guy on gun smoke. This is Festus, the governor. That's for the old folks here. And so in that process, he, the governor here, he basically tells Paul, you're nuts. You've lost your mind. But Paul steps in. He says, no, I haven't, sir. I haven't at all. And the king, his name was Agrippa. He said, King Agrippa knows that, don't you, king? You know that I haven't lost my mind. And listen to what it says in, in uh, chapter 26, verse 28, what a King Agrippa says. Right there it is for you on the screen. It says, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. That's one of the most saddest sentences in the Bible. You almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Could you imagine standing before this box? You're there. And someone saying a few words over you. He almost became a Christian. Are you there today? Almost? Well, let me tell you something for sure. Almost didn't work with King Agrippa, and it won't work with us either. And I am not here, I'm here today not to get you to almost, almost do the things that God wants you to do this year. I want you fully persuaded that if you will follow God and decide to follow Him, that great blessings will come in your life. I know that for a fact to take place. It is the desire inside of you that will pull forth to do more and greater things this year than you've ever done in the past. I cannot change what last year brought you, my friend. But I can guarantee you one thing. You give your life and your heart to Christ, and He can do mighty things through one that has given Him their life. The Scripture says in 1 John, the world and all its desires will pass away. It's telling you the things that you're chasing before God, they all go away, and they do. But the man who obeys God does what he says and wants done will live forever. You are the one, you are the one that will decide to do that or not. What's your decision today? What is your decision? Your desire will lead you to your destiny. The question is, what do you want your destiny to be? What is it? Decide to be a follower of Christ. Now, another area that I want to talk about just a little bit, and we'll talk more about it next month and when Valentine's gets here. I want to talk to you about love. What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. What's love got to do with it? You want to know what's love got to do with it? Everything. It's got everything to do with it. How do I know it's got everything to do with it? It's because God is very good. Love is something that God has given us that is meant to never stop growing. You know why I know that? It's because it's the only thing that will last forever. Love will never stop. You can't stop love. 
because you can't stop God. And the great thing about love is this. Love is how much love you have, you decide. You decide how much love you have in your life. Do you know people that just love? Do you know somebody like that? I can pick out about eight or ten of you in this room. It just seems like they just love. Anybody know somebody like that besides me? Well, listen to me. You decide how much love you let in. You decide how much love you put out. The more love in, the more love out. You see, when we when we hang on to things, hurt and pain and all these other things and anger and bitterness and all that, all that does is push stuff out of us it, or it puts more stuff in us, so it pushes love to the side. And so we get to decide whether or not we want more of the love that God has for us. And God says that's the thing that will continually grow in our lives. Now, the love chapter of the Bible is, of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is what love is. It's really a definition of God, I believe, through all of that scripture. And then down in verse number 13, 13, he says what? He says, and these, now these three remain. You've heard that all your life. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why is it that love is the greatest of these? Because it is God. When when we get to heaven, you won't need faith. You won't need hope. You'll have God, which is love. You'll know what love really is. But between now and then, you can experience more love and more love and more love. And love is this thing that grows. How do I know that? If you have a child, your first child that came along, anybody have more than one child? Okay, all right, very good. You have the first child, the child comes along, what do you say? I love this child so much. I can't love this child anymore. And you can't, can you? You don't say, well, I better reserve a little bit of my love. Because I might have another child and I don't want to waste all my love on this one. Right? <laughs> Whatever. So some of you are thinking, I was thinking about it. But nonetheless, <laughs> I was the baby of the family. And so my mom saved all her love just for me. All right? So in that process, what happens? You got all your love. It's just given there. Because you give your life for that child in a second. No questions asked. That's pure love. What happens? The second one comes along. Well, I don't know if I'm going to love this one or not. No. You instantly, God gives you more room to love. And it's because you choose to. And when I came here 25 years ago, there's a lot of you I didn't know, and I didn't, I don't think I loved you. I was trying to, and I'm sure some of you are really trying to love me, and some of you are up to the like point, but not to love yet. But but what I've come to know is. Love grows. Just this morning, standing out in the, the foyer, being able to pray with just a few individuals, I love to do that. So if you want a prayer, just come over and talk to me and talk about prayer, and we'll talk. We'll just have a prayer. But I love to do that is because I've come to love you. And that's what God wants for our lives, is to grow in our love for each other. And we grow in our love with Him, we can grow in our love for each other. Because what happens in that process, we realize what all the things God has put up with us, so we can put up with all the other things the world might throw to us, because our love of Him and our love in us helps us conquer all the obstacles that come our way. How do I know that? Because Scripture says so right there. Now, in all these things, 
We are more than conquerors through him who loves us. What does that tell us? God's love allows us to conquer all the obstacles that come our way. Didn't say they were going to be easy. Didn't say they weren't going to be without pain and confusion. But he did say that we can conquer them, and we conquer them through the love that we have of God in our life. You want a great year this year? Ask God to fill you with more of his love. Ask God to be, ask God and say, God, I just want to grow in your love. I want to decide today that I'm going to grow in your love today. And ask him that every day that you get up. God, I want to grow in your love because I know I got to go to work and I know you, you know, my boss, you know, the stuff I got to get done. You know, the PTA, you know, all these things that are going on. Father, I need your love to help me get through this to conquer this in my life. And God is not a liar. He tells the truth. And he will help you do that. That's what will help us grow in 2018. You can conquer many things this year if you'll just grow in God's love. But you got to ask for it. You got to ask for it. Fill me up. Get this bitterness out of me. Get this anger out of me so that I can have more love. Some of you need to work on that. Let me share something. Let me wrap this two together here. How do we how do we pull this together? And I was thinking about this yesterday, and um, I wasn't really sure. And then I happened to think of um, on our trip, Don had mentioned a name, and when she said that name, it just kind of popped in my head again yesterday. And so I want to share this story with you. Just take a minute or two. When I was in South Africa many many years ago, uh, a good friend of mine gave me an assignment. His name was Marvin Phillips. He gave me an assignment to go visit with a man that was hesitating becoming a Christian. So I want you to listen real closely. And for good reason, he added. There was a reason behind him hesitating. But I didn't know all the ins and outs of the story. So I was up for the challenge, and I said, sure, no problem, let's go. And so through some friends at the church and stuff, we made a, had a, a time where we could meet with this gentleman, and we visited just a little bit there at the beginning. And then I asked if I could visit with him alone. And it was special for me to do that. I just wanted to be with him alone. And I'll tell you why is that I've discovered in my life that what I wanted to do is I wanted to hear his story from him, not someone else. You see, sometimes when you take someone that knows the story of the other person, they can insert part of the story in which they want to emphasize, which may not be at all what they are really dealing with in their life. So i just like to just start from ground zero, if you will, and work through that. Well, this young man, or this gentleman here, he agreed to do that and I, I told him as we sat down there, I said, you know, I haven't come here, and I always tell people that have been around the Church of Christ for a while, because I know he had been around that for quite some time. I said, listen, I didn't come here to get you dumped. I came here to listen to you. Tell me about you. And so he begins to tell me the story. This, this goes on for quite some time, but he began to tell me a story of I was, about his beautiful family. He started off with them first. You can see that was deep in his heart. Pulled the picture out and showed it to me. Beautiful family. I think he had three, three children, a beautiful bride. And, and he said he had a happy life. He had a happy life. And a fair job that took care of his household and things that he needed to get done. And this man was probably in his mid-30s, maybe upper 30s at that time. He was in very, very poor health. Very slim, drawn in his face, his eyes blackened around his eyes. And then very soft voice and he came across to me, I think, more more sad than mad. He, I couldn't see anger in him. 
I just saw him just being sad, just sad. And then through this conversation, he told me, he said, I have to tell you that I have AIDS. And when he told me that, this is many years ago, and I'm sure I pushed the chair back a little bit, swallowed deep, and I thought thoughts that I shouldn't have thought. That's just being honest with you. The next things he was telling me, I don't even know what they were, to tell you the truth, because I really wasn't paying attention. I was thinking more about my safety. I wasn't happy about that, but it's the truth. And so, I'm, you know, the spirit snaps you back in order, and you do the WWJD thing, and you get back in the line. And I swallowed a little bit deeper and with my pride and, and shame, I guess. I finally just leaned in. And when I leaned in, he says, it's not what you think. He said, I contracted AIDS through the dentist that used some contaminated instruments. And so we talked a little bit about that, and he told me how he'd worked through that, how he found out about it and all the other stuff. But he said, as we went on, he said, I have no friends, none. All my friends are gone. In fact, my wife took the children and moved to another city, and she now lives there with the kids with her father. And I haven't seen them since they left. After about 45 minutes or so of that, I remember thinking to myself about my own family. And what that must be like. And it just it just really rocked me in that process. And so through this, I, there was no way I could empathize with him. What can I tell this man that, that told me, I'm dying of AIDS. I don't have it. I'm dying of it. What in the world could I tell this man sitting across from me that had revealed all this information? So this is what I told him. I said, I can't change the fact that you have a deadly disease. I wish I could, but I can't. I cannot change the fact that your family and friends have deserted you. I wish I could, but I can't. But I can assure you of this one thing. God has not deserted you. And I can assure you that He loves you. And I can assure you that if you will accept His love, things can change for you spiritually. I said, I want you to know that he too had a disease. And his disease, we gave to him. It's the disease of our sin. I want you to know that they deserted him. I want you to know that they despised him. But I want you to know more importantly that he willingly went to a cross and bore our disease for us, our sin, so that we could live with him forever. And if you'll accept his love, he will give you life everlasting. But only you can decide that. Only you. We finished our visit together. We visited about a few other things and kind of shut down after that. We just prayed a little bit together and 
two or three days later, I was speaking. It's on a Saturday. I'll never forget it. Saturday morning, we're in this cafeteria-like setting, bigger auditorium this. There were probably 50, 60 guys, and there was a men's, men's group there, and they had me speak for them that morning. And while I was there speaking, about halfway through, I noticed the door in the back, and it opened up. I didn't really pay much attention at first, but then I realized, as I paid attention, it was Freddie, the man with AIDS, standing in the back of the crowd. I just got this whole feeling over me. I mean, it was just like whoosh. Just, I mean, I... So I just told the guys that we got to take a break. This is a little conference thing. You know, we'll take a break. You know, you guys go get something to drink or whatever, and I'll be back with you. So as I walked back to the back, I'll never forget, Freddie put out his hand, and I gave him the, the handshake and the half hug, you know. And he said, I've decided to follow Jesus. Man, I'm not a holy roller or thing like that, but I'm telling you, man, I was jumping up and down. So we go kind of hold this church not too far from there, went over there, and it was quite funny afterwards anyway because the water is only about this deep. It's all they had in the baptistry. I don't know they were baptizing small people or what, but it's about 20 inches deep, and that was it. So we, you know, we, we're already dressed with, you know, I'm thinking full baptistry. And so I walk out and I'm, whoa. And so Marvin was there and he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I want to baptize this dude. And so I got down on my knees like this and I just set him on his bottom and he accepted Christ. I buried him in baptism. And man, what a celebration we had that night. What a celebration we had that night. It was all because one person decided to accept God's love for himself. I got a letter about six months later or so. It's quite a bit later, maybe nine months or so. I don't remember now, but it said that Freddie, our brother in Christ, had gone to be with the Lord. And I'm thankful that he's there with the Lord. I'm thankful that the Lord didn't desert him. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you decided to accept his love for you? If you would accept that today, I can tell you that this year can be your best year ever if you decide to follow him. Or maybe just perhaps you are like many and like I have been on many occasions. You're a Christian, but you've faded. You know that you've faded in your relationship with God. And it's not that he's moved, but you have. Because you decided to move. And it's faded. And what my encouragement would be for you is this. Is that don't don't let that love fade anymore. Don't let it fade anymore. Don't be like the ones in John chapter 6. For it says there in verse 66 that many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. That's a sad verse. These were followers of Christ, saw his miracles performed. And they turned back and they no longer followed him. Don't be like that. Don't get caught there in your life. Don't be there in your life. Be like the others because this is what Jesus says next. Go ahead. He says, do you want to, the ones that were left, he says, do you want to leave too? Say what they said and notice what they said. 
Lord, to whom shall we go? Where can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe that. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Somewhere in your life you accepted that, didn't you? Sure you did. Has it been fading? Then run back to God. He will be there with wide open arms to give you a hug, Scripture says. The prodigal son is you. It's me. When we turn our back on God, He never turns His back on us. Come home, come home, He says. So my encouragement for you today is to make the decision. Make a decision for this new year to follow Jesus closer than ever before in your life. For all of us. And in that, experience a love that will make you thirsty for more. Because if you're thirsty for more love, more love is what you're going to get. Are you thirsty? This song we're going to sing is just for you. Pretend like there's no one else in the room. Because at the moment when Freddie walked through those doors there in South Africa, I will tell you, it was like no one else was in the room. And would you please know that God is with outstretched arms saying, I love you. I'll never stop loving you. Don't think of all the bad things that you've done, all the things that you've been through. Just know that God's saying, I love you, and my love is greater than anything you've been through. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be God. God wants to forgive. God wants to heal. God wants to set you straight. And God wants to save you. Which one do you need today? Whatever that need is, we're going to sing this song just for you. You come forward. We'll take care of everything for you.